that. Should I do that over again? <laughs> We're putting these beautiful hymnals in all of our small groups as well. So uh, small group leaders will have, you know, 20 of these or whatever. Please, please see, please see Pastor Lynn. If, you're, if, you're, if we do small groups, you're a small group leader uh, and uh, get your batch. Very good. Well, we're back to Ephesians chapter 5. Good deal. Ephesians chapter 5. And if you did not listen to the last session, um, please make sure and go back and listen to that again because we did just a, kind of an extensive introduction to marriage and family. Uh, that's what we did. And so today, uh, I just want to look at a few uh, categories dealing with the whole concept of biblical submission, and we'll see uh, we'll see how far we actually get in this section. We'll probably maybe go on from just talking about that. But let's read this uh, let's read this text again before us, and uh, let's just read down today all the way down to the end of the chapter, verse, uh, chapter five, verse twenty-two. This is what the Word of God says: "It says, Wives, be subject to your own husbands, as to the Lord." For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is also the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought to also love their own wives as their own bodies. Uh, He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church. Because we are members of his body, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you is to love his own wife, even as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, let's, let's close in prayer, right? What more do we need to say? Um, so, you know, I thought there was a marker up here. Looked like that green one worked pretty good, Jonathan. Right. I want to look at submission, first of all, with three distinct areas. Okay. And we could say submission, right. Um, and three different areas. Number one, uh, submission and authority. Okay. That's the first thing. And the reason I say that, submission and authority, because look what it says. It says that wives are to be subject to their own husbands as to the Lord. So obviously, um, as to the Lord implies uh, the lordship of Christ. And as Lord, uh, he carries authority. And that's, I would say, that the analogy, right, as we go from the divine mystery of Christ and the church, and we go to the analogy of husband and wife, um, even though there is, of course, the limitations of being fallible and being, uh, you know, and being uh, 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 human, 
right? Uh, but the still, the, 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 the analogy or the metaphor carries over that wise are submitting to somebody who has authority. Let's talk about, about that just for a second. Like what, what is the extent of a husband's authority in the home? I think that's important to, to identify. Like where does his authority begin and end, right? Uh, so I would say that his authority obviously deals with the direction of the, of the house, uh, God has given fathers and, and husbands the overall uh, uh, responsibility uh, to govern the home. In other words, when you get to heaven and you stand before the Lord and you stand before the judgment seat, God is not going to look over at the wife and say, how did you lead this home? Right? That's going to be the husband's role. That's going to be the husband's job. So think about at least with authority comes for men great accountability. Right. And so um, I, that's why I would say that men are responsible to lead and to guide uh, their houses in every matter and every decision that needs to be done. At the end of the day, the buck stops with the husband. Now, w- what are some impediments to that? What are some hindrances to the authority of the husband in the home? Can you think of any? Just think, maybe reflect on some of the things that Well, go ahead. Unbelief on whose part? On the husband's part. Okay. Okay, so an unbeliever, right? The fact that uh, you know many people in the church are are married to and unequally yoked with unbelievers. Of course, that would be that would be a huge hindrance to to his authority, right, and to the whole picture. And that's almost a very specific, you know, uh, category because that places a woman or a man. Uh, in a place where, because they're unequally yoked, it makes it very difficult, right, to gauge, like, how do they live out these commandments in that context? Well, we know we looked at First Peter last time. We talked about even if they disobey the word, right, those kinds of things. Paul says to the unbelieving wife, who, you know, you don't know if you're going to save your, your spouse, basically. You know, I think that's First Corinthians chapter 7, I believe. You had a question back here. I didn't want to forget you. Yeah. Okay. Mhm. 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 And what is the maybe what is the the classic example of the wife usurping her husband? Eve, that's right. I mean the garden, right? I mean if she would have allowed the man to lead and to take charge. And really, the garden is such a perfect example because we could even say as many commentators have pointed out, where was Adam? Right. When Eve was having a conversation with the serpent, where was Adam? You know what I mean? Uh, We can we can make the observation that if Adam would not have been abdicating his responsibilities as a priest, the prophet, priest and king of his home, if he would have been governing and 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 ministering and, and speaking the truth to his wife and guarding, you know, isn't that what God told him to do? Um, Genesis one. Chapter 2, verses 15 to 17, God told him to guard the garden, to protect the garden. That's the word that he uses in the context there, to minister in the garden as a priest. Anyway, it's the same language that Numbers uses of the priests who are to guard the temple and guard the tabernacle, guard the sanctuary. Very interesting, right? Yes, uh, yes, sir. Uh, uh, hindrances to to yeah submitting to the authority of a husband is I now when you say idolatry what do you have in mind because that can mean a lot of things. Exactly. So in regards to the, the fear of man, mm-hmm. putting either your wife or your kids mm-hmm. desires above what God has said for you to do. 
where you end up using idolatry, making an idol of yourself mm-hmm. and not of submitting to God because you want your will to be done versus what God right. has chosen for you to do. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's why when Landon mentioned the word unbelief, I asked him, you know, unbelief on whose part, right? And he's right. I mean, nothing will hinder uh, a marriage more than if one person is not a believer. But at the same time, um, you know, failure, you know, on behalf of a wife to submit to her husband, that that reveals unbelief, right? In what way? Um, and first of all, am I right? Second of all, in what in what way, right? In what way would you say that? Yes, sir. Yeah. Correct. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Trusting, just trusting the Lord, right? That by obeying this command, um, you will be blessed, right? And, and the tendency for a woman at this stage, and you'll see this, this, this happens to men, to women in, in the context of parenting, everything, right? Where we above everything, right? We, we, we do this, we obey this command, this imperative, the same way that we obey every other imperative in the Bible, which is by faith. Right, so we trust by faith that if we are, as a woman, if you're submitting yourself to the authority of your husband, that's an act of trust in the Lord, and that by doing that, that is pleasing to the Lord, and that God is going to take care of you. Right? Isn't that what Peter said? Right, First Peter chapter three, he goes on to say, right, as as he was talking about, um, just look at that again real quick, but in where he talks about the whole concept of. You know, following the example of Sarah, who was uh, obedient to her husband, calling him Lord. She had so much reverence and respect for his role as husband and being a modest woman and all those things. And he says, you know, that you become her children if you do what is right. And then he adds at the very end, without being frightened by any fear. So a lot of women refuse to, and this is a stumbling block, it's a temptation, uh, to not want to submit to your husband out of fear. Right. Out of fear that that means that entails you need to let go control of certain things that you can't control him, for example, that you can't control every decision that he makes in the home. Uh, And it's I'm, I'm glad that Peter put that last clause in there. Right. Without being frightened by any fear, which is just reminiscent of, look, entrust your soul to a faithful creator. Right. Isn't that what Peter says to do as well? You know, to trust him as a faithful creator. Where's that at? Chapter 4, verse 19, right? We, we, we entrust ourselves to God in everything that I do. So, basically, the authority of the husband, I would say, I would define it like this. That the authority of the husband, the extent of that authority, has to do with the things that God has called him to do and to be as a husband, right? To be the authority of his home, to be the leader of his home, the spiritual protector, the provider of his home, all of those things, um, uh, you know, to be the, uh, for lack of a better term, word, you know, I, I like it. I, I like the, uh, I like the use of this phrase, uh, but it has to be handled with care, right? He, he needs to be the prophet, priest, and king of his home, right? And so the king, don't let that go to your head, guys, okay? We're going to qualify that. <laughs> but you know what I mean? In other words, you govern, you rule your home, you prophetically speak the word of God in your home, right? And then as a priest, you minister to the people in your home. So you are bringing your family to God. That's a priestly duty that you have in the home. Things like that. Um, any questions about any of that? Yes, sir. I was going to say uh, about the hindrance part. Yep. Um, not understanding 
Bullying? You mean like if he is... So she's bullying him. Okay. Say, man, this is getting good. Yeah, that's right. So, so that's why I said, like, what is the extent and what is the limitations of the, of the husband's authority, right? So the limitations is that, you know, his authority, as she submits to him as unto the Lord, that only goes as far as he is willing to obey the, the, the word of God, right? And does not cause her to stumble or to sin, right? Wives have no, um, they have no uh, responsibility whatsoever, obligation whatsoever to obey their husbands into sin right if he wants to cheat on his taxes if he wants to lie to the government if he wants to live a life of sin right there's there's no reason that she should aid and abate that and go along with that so there's limitations to that right yes sir Yeah, no, that's right. That, that's actually a good question. Um, I saw similar things uh, when I was in Africa. I was in Uganda. Um, it's very customary that the men allow the women to do all the work. So they were doing literally all the physical labor was done by the women. Um, I mean, all kinds of stuff from mowing the lawn to making bricks to, you know, amazing stuff, right? It's just completely perverted. Um, that is a great example of how the gospel has to correct the culture. You know what I mean? Um, I told you before, I think, but when I was there, um, some of the women in, in the town that we were in, um, and we were way out in the middle of nowhere, nowhere near modern civilization, probably four hours from, you know, running water, electricity. I mean, we were way deep in the bush. And many of the women don't wear shirts, and what I, yeah, I know. So, I, you know, we'd be walking down the town, you know, we're, you know, we're going to do our evangelism thing. And here come women with no shirts on. We're like, we're going back home. <laughs> like, it's a shock to us, but not to them. But here's the, here's the, here's the beautiful thing is that when we went to church, what we, what we found out is that as the gospel took root in that community, Christian women would clothe themselves. They had to be educated to see, like in that culture, where we we found out that the the most attractive part of a woman's body is her calf. Okay, and we're like, okay, <laughs> right? <laughs> and and so the men are not even aroused by a woman walking around without a shirt. So this is, I mean, think about the fundamental worldview shift that the gospel has to do there in that culture. God has to literally reorient that person's entire thinking of what is proper sexuality, right? What is biblical femininity? What are the parts of a woman's body that from a biblical worldview should be regarded as private? You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, a complete reprogramming has to be done in certain, in certain areas. And so, and some, and matter of fact, I remember debating a, a pastor on this issue because he was of the, of the persuasion, no, we leave the culture as it is. I said, no, no, not on this one. No, you don't. You know what I mean? I understand like, 
you know, it was a shock just going into African churches and worshiping because the way they worship, they yell and scream and jump and dance. And if you're not dancing, you're not worshiping. I mean, it's just that simple. You know what I mean? Everybody has an instrument. In the pew, everybody has an instrument. Whether that's a bottle full of rocks or something to bang on, and you're just kind of getting over that. You know, I know a lot of Reformed people would have a big problem with that, you know. So there I am, you know, in this hut. And yes, I was dancing, absolutely. You know, I'm dancing, you know. I don't know, whatever, my gosh. No camera in here, right? That's right. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just sitting next to, and then women start jumping up in the air. Start yelling and screaming. I'm like, wow, I'm not in America anymore. Well, some churches in America, anyway. Some churches are like that. Um, sometimes a person's uh, culture, their upbringing, right, all of that can be a hindrance. Think about if you belong to a family where you grew up as an example that the women are in charge of the family, right? The women do rule the house. They do wear the pants in the home. I mean, it's just totally... Um, it's, it's totally grieving, you know, to see that many of us have come from that example, right? Where when things go down, we find out who's really in charge of that house, right? That's bad. That's wrong. You know, I mean, I had a, I, I, I get examples of that here at church, and I'm always kind of struck by that. But, you know, like one lady told me, you know, um, we had a discussion about King James only. And she told me in front of her husband, well, for our family, we're going to be reading the King James, and I'm just like, oh, looked at him like, anything to say about that? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, wow, you know what I mean? And, you know, she made it very clear that she was in charge of that, you know? And so, you know, it's it, it runs, I would say this, that biblical submission runs against our sinful nature, right? And And like I said, you know, we're talking about this passage right now. We'll get to the men. You know what I mean? Because there's just as many things that men need to work through that women need to work through, right? But so we need to, in other words, submit to our husbands as to the Lord. Now, 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 ladies, help me with this. How can you do this biblically without deifying your husband? Because that ain't going to happen, right? This is not a deification of your husband. So how do you do this as to the Lord without crossing a boundary where you give your husband too much authority, right? Trish, you got an example? <laughs> That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So how do you, how do you, Right, so, but specifically, like, how do you do this as to the Lord, um, but do it, do it as, how do you do it in a way where the analogy is good and healthy and right and holy and godly? But specifically, I'm pressing my wife on this, I get to the, because this is me. Yeah, just little practical examples, I don't know. She has a lot of them. She's just. When the husband says, you know, don't carry the baby into the store, but keep her in the stroller. That's right. Keep her in the stroller. Please. In my mind, I want to carry the baby into the stroller. <laughs> but he says, put her in the stroller. But in the wisdom, I need to submit to that and say, 
And it turned out to be a blessing, right? How oh, good. <laughs> well, let me give her, let me give everybody a bigger example, right? Uh, I told Trish we're moving to Texas. That was really hard for her because, man, you know, our whole community is there. Our family, our our our, our church family. You know, she was working for uh, Ray Comfort at the time at Living Waters. She loved that life, right? We were in a groove, uh, and I just out of nowhere come out with we're moving to Texas, and. Um, and uh, it wasn't like, and that's that. But it was, I expressed to her the call. Well, she really struggled with it. That was a hard, hard season for us. And But, I mean, in praise of my wife, very quickly uh, she she obeyed and she submitted to that to that direction, you know. And she said, okay, if the Lord is, if the Lord is leading you there, then, then, then he, must, his, his, he must have something for us. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Mhm. Eden's a Texan. Come on. <laughs> what could be better than that? <laughs> any other ideas, guys? A- any women or men um, of how you can submit to your husband as to the Lord? Um, yes, yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. A lot of times my helpful duties kind of get pushed to the weekends. Um, and there, this weekend when we were all doing hymns every single week, and that involves making a PowerPoint, you know, so everyone has lyrics to follow. And Jonathan knows how to do a PowerPoint, but he prefers that I do one, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one, particular, one particular Saturday I had, you know, ten dozen things, you know, that I needed to accomplish within 24 hours, you know, and he comes home from work and he says, I need you to do a PowerPoint. And I'm like, well, you know how to do it. Why can't you do it? You know, but then I, you know, he kind of felt that I really would like for you to do it. And yeah. Do it so well. And I just had to stop and, you know, remind myself, look, I'm here to serve my husband, you know, right. to God's glory. And yeah. so it's like, okay. What, what are, s- yeah. Yeah, I guess that's what I'm talking about is um, just to focus our attention on what are the attitudes that w- that we're supposed to have. You know what I mean? Um, like, like if you think about just as generally as a Christian, as you submit unto the Lord, right? What is the attitude that you do that with? What are some of the biblical, godly, spirit-wrought attitudes that we are to carry when we do that? Yes, ma'am. Marlene? Very good. That's right. So you do it grac- graciously, right? I mean, that's a principle even in the book of Hebrews. The only reason I know that because we're on chapter 13. But it says, you know, obey your, your leaders, right? Um, wait, did I just... Con- I think I just uh, conflated two. I'm thinking of Peter. Now I'm thinking of Peter 5, right? Where it says, you know, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, oversight not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God. Is that in Hebrews as well? Um, yeah, yeah. 
13, 17, obey your leaders and, and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls of those who have to give an account. Let them do this with joy. That's it. That's right. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, right? For this would be unprofitable for you. Only reason I think this correlates is because the concept of submission is here as well, right? So it's like the attitude that we have when we submit, that we're to do it. So now correlate that to the Lord. How do you submit to the Lord? Well, hopefully with joy. How about with reverence? Right? With respect and honor. All of these attitudes of the heart. Yes, Jesse? Mm. Good. That's right. So no grumbling, no complaining, right? But contentment. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think that the, 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 the optimum attitude is faith. Right, that we do it as unto the Lord by faith, and this is the trickiest part of all. Right, we're doing it unto fallible spouses, errant spouses, sinful spouses, imperfect spouses. Right, and how much grace does it take to do that? It's easy to do it to the Lord, right, because He's perfect. But we have imperfect husbands, and therefore, you guys have imperfect husbands. But you know what I mean? It's it's more challenging and we need that extra measure of grace and we need to be spirit filled uh, in order to do that. Um, what about love, you guys? Submit as unto the Lord and therefore um, with an attitude of love. I mean, let love be the dominant attitude of our heart. And that's why we do what we do, because we love our husbands. But more importantly, because we love the Lord. Right. I love when Trisha tells me things like. Because I love God, <laughs> I'm going to follow you and submit to you. Amen, sister. That's exactly right. You got the you got the protocol right there. You know what I mean? The packing order. You got that straight. Unto him, and because unto him, you're enabled to do it unto others. I mean, that's the way that the body works, right? Because we love the Lord, because we are submitting to the authority of, of the Lord, we submit to one another. Don't forget that in Ephesians chapter 5, Right before he gets into the the whole thing of domestic codes with husbands and wives, verse 21, be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. You see that there? So even in the, the level of body life, right, we're to, we're to be subject to one another, submitting to one another with what attitude? With fear, the fear of Christ. See, that reverence. I guess to me, again, not harking back on culture, but... Remember that we live in a culture, as I said before, where the attitude that we see every day around us is that in marriage, you know, uh, it's it's marriage is a sarcastic thing. Marriage is a trivial thing. It's a joke. Husbands are a joke, right? They're to be mocked and made fun of and to be disrespected and slighted, right? And then wives are to be not taken serious. You're not faithful to them. You just kind of, you don't really have a regard for them. They're kind of silly you know, and, and, and our whole culture trivializes the entire picture of family and marriage. And uh, and that's exactly the opposite of what Scripture is telling us to do. So that's why I really wanted to capitalize on the issue of reverence. You know, did you have a... I saw your hand. Uh, just I just had to get that out. Sorry. Uh, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Yeah, that's right. Be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us an offering and sacrifice of God as a fragrant aroma. That's right. Walking as Christ, right? And walking in love. Um, okay, so 
just the issue of authority, what else is in this analogy? Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. Let me just make a couple exegetical observations. Number one, the whole concept of submission, okay? The whole concept of submission is, uh, the, the Greek word that's used there, it implies a couple of things. It implies, number one, that, that you do it willfully of your own, in a sense, you do it voluntarily. In other words, it is not, it's not a forced submission. It is a submission that is, is the person, his or herself, is doing it voluntarily of your own will, right? And that's important because um, that's the way it should work. It should not be that you're being forced to be submissive. Right. Um, in one sense, like where it says, um, look at chapter six, verse one, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. In other words, the submission of a hu- of a wife to a husband is not the same as children to parents. Right. A wife is not to be subject to her husband in the same way that children are to be subject to parents. Parents force their children to or to obey <laughs> whether they like it or not right what happens in the context of marriage should be a dynamic where we are willfully willing to give of ourselves right where we willfully subject ourselves under the fear of god that and then of course where he says to your own husband uh idios is the word that just means your own so why did he make that point? Well, we talked about this last week a little bit, but because the wife is not obligated to to, to submit to any other husband. Uh, she doesn't have to obey other husbands' authorities, right? Um, when, when I say that, what do you think of? You're not called to obey someone else's husband. As if that, as if that was their wife. Okay, so you're thinking about someone, let's say a friend or a congregant or something like that, right? I'm thinking of areas like, this is kind of controversial, but areas like family. Specifically, and the reason I raise this is because there's a theology out there, and it's called patriarchy, where um, where there this is a theology of the family where uh, elders in the family, like grandfathers, fathers, they end up possessing patriarchal authority. And this is in Reformed churches. You've got to be very careful here where it's it, what you have is you'll have a situation where you know and a, a grandfather will literally have authority over the the, the over the uh, families of his children um, and and is that biblical today I mean no I would say absolutely not uh, matter of fact I would say that it's actually a Roman Greco-Roman principle. If you look at the Greco-Roman culture that type of patriarchy often existed in Gre- Greco-Roman culture. Um, the reason I say no is because what did we, I mean, we just read it. Look at verse 31, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31. For this reason, a man shall leave his, his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, right? Like we're going to get into that and the the wisdom, I believe, of guarding your home from any external influences where the marriage becomes its own autonomous unit, Right where you become as husband and wife, you now become a self uh, uh, autonomous, a self ruling organism. No one has authority over you in the, in a patriarchal sense. So when it says be subject to your own husbands, I would say that also means that you are no longer subject to a husband, somebody else's husband in your family. 
um, nobody has patriarchal authority over you in that sense. So I just throw that out there because, um, to be honest, I've had to wrestle uh, with this issue because the whole patriarchal mo- movement is very powerful. It's um, very influential, uh, especially when you start getting into homeschooling circles. Uh, you have uh, different ministries out there that teach this, like Vision Forum uh, is one. Uh, Vodi Bakum kind of flows in and out of patriarchal theology, uh, which, you know, he does it publicly, so I'll call him out publicly. <laughs> Just somewhere where I disagree, you know, with him uh, and, and with several men like that. Um, and there's this whole theo- – basically what happens is is that this whole patriarchy movement, um, a lot of times – it manifests itself in church division. Uh, and that's why I feel the need to educate you guys on it a little bit, just to let you know that uh, it has been the, ch- the source of church splits. Uh, it, it, it caused a huge division in my previous church where I had no desire to do this, but I had to go and research it extensively because it started spreading in the church and people started discipling other people and distributing resources and things like that, and come to find out that I found out more than I ever wanted to know about the whole (laughs) family integrated vision forum, patriarchal type movement. And that is that the whole movement is undergirded by a radical post-millennial theology. Um, Even if you're not post-mill, the founders were heavily post-millennial. And so they believe that eventually so many godly families will arise and that will affect the way the kingdom comes to this earth. It's a it's a whole deal, um, but I mean, just to condense all of that, the husband and the wife should never be controlled or ruled by anyone outside of that. You see what I'm saying? Any questions about any of that, yes, sir? My parents were very good at giving us space, even when we were close, but yet it, it even more so helped you know, to be away from family and seeing them still consistently, but not as often. Yeah. Um, just on a practical level, I'm thankful for that, but yeah. at the same time, um, you know, just believing your father and his vision for your life, becoming yeah. an independent family that's yeah. out from under the, the rest of your family is very helpful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think in-laws should be respected, right? They should be able to have a voice into your life to give wisdom and counsel, uh, those kinds of things, right? Uh, but in terms of decision-making in your home, no. And so be be very weary of that, that you don't have, you know, uh, you know, because correct me if I'm right. Tell me if you bear witness with this or if this is your experience, but... Sometimes you can have a situation where one of the spouses has a very dominating, maybe mother-in-law or whatever, right? A family, right? That wants to control everything in her life. And that affects her home, right? And that can undermine the authority of her husband, right? So women have to be very, you know, guarded as far as that. Same thing with men. Men need to be careful that their parents do not have so much control over his life that they end up disrespecting his wife, you know, or something like that. So it runs both ways. Yes, sir.
during Christmas, the whole family gets together. They have what they call their family meetings. And literally, as kids, a lot of lies being put out. And they do this publicly in front of the whole family. Wow. Where the, the men, the older men decide the fate of the wife, and they lay out all their indiscretions, everything in front of her. So I always, once I got married, I made sure I lived away from all that. And I did the city. Even moving back here was hard. Interesting. Wow, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing how culture can have such a huge influence. I remember, I'll never forget being in Africa, sitting with a group of pastors, and we're walking through First Timothy chapter 3, where it says that elders have to be husbands of one wife, and pastors were like, one wife? What? I have six. <laughs> so, you know, culture is a huge thing that, you know, the church grapples with in different parts of the world. Uh, yes, ma'am. I'm so sorry. My friend passed. But for him to be part of the church like that and now studying the manuals of his I know they have, yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes, amen. Mm. Yeah. Isn't it ironic? In the name of having a high view of the family, you end up destroying families. Yeah, just follow the Bible. I mean, you know what I mean? Frustrating it's, you know, waking up old memories that I don't want to go back to, but, you know, because they become so obsessive. I, somebody handed me, in the midst of what I was dealing with, somebody handed me a, a MP3 of Presbyterian pastors, I don't know who they are, sitting around the table, uh, and, but they sounded extremely mature, uh, sharing horror stories of what took place through family-integrated influences in their church. Uh, just horror stories. That's why on our website, I don't know if you guys noticed that, but on our website, we specify we are not a family-integrated church. I don't know if you guys knew that. I did that to scare away the Vision Forum people. (laughs) Sorry, I just did. I'll never forget my wife handed me a CD by the Vision Forum guy. What's his name? I forget his name. Yeah, there you go. And I listened to it, and five minutes I took it out of my thing. I said, no thanks. I just detected that there was something off there. But, um, yeah. I've heard. Yes, ma'am. As far as like women working outside of the home. Exactly. That's another part of it. And I'm not sure if it's kind of going under the patriarchy. Yes, ma'am. Umbrella. Mm hmm. But a lot of guys don't work outside of the home because of this verse. Same thing I was talking with. Because of this verse. Yeah. Exactly. Right. I don't know. Tell that to the Proverbs 31 woman. I mean, she's practically a real estate agent. <laughs> she's an industrious woman. You know, what's she doing? That, what's she doing that from her laptop at home? I mean, I doubt it. You know what I mean? So I, I mean, I, I mean, I will say this, right? Like, um, I've known, I've known wives that have 
surrendered a professional career because the higher calling of having to take care of their children and they would rather invest in that than make X amount of dollars living, you know, and, and being out in the, in, in the workforce, okay? I leave that to the discretion of the, of the home and the family, you know what I mean? Um, but uh, certainly that's what I'm saying, right? So it's like what happens is in legalism, you always have, you know, these boxes, you know, like the scripture says, you know, submit, right, to your husband. And then that's taken to mean that that actually implies another box, no work. What? Right? That's how legalism works. So another box, right? Uh, No drunkenness. Legalism says don't drink. That's legalism. Right? It's jumping, it's going beyond what the scriptures are saying and creating another fence where scripture did not put a fence. Right? And it always works that way. Right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's right. There should be a balance. There should be, you know, the spirit is the umpire in our heart that leads us in this life, you know what I mean, in a way that's pleasing to God. And um so there's a lot of that. Those kind of implications, you know what I mean? Like um homeschooling is not a, it's not just a good thing. It's anything other than that is sin. Right? So they go the next step. Uh, I've even been approached and told, can you please preach that if you don't homeschool that you're in sin? No, I cannot. And I will not. You know what I mean? Uh, now, do I personally suggest homeschooling? Sure, of course. I can give you my, my, my reasons why and why I think it's wise and all of this. But if you, for whatever circumstance, situation in your life, you're not capable of homeschooling or you don't want to homeschool, at the end of the day, I, I have to respect your Christian liberty. Yes, yes, sir. I was just uh, thinking about what uh, Scripture said about men being puffed up. I think a godly man and a godly husband will see the passage about Sarah calling Abraham the Lord and and his own life being that godly and that willing to submit. It shouldn't puff us up if it humbles. Yeah, amen. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I do have a thing. I, I do this every week where I just, you know, I work on these notes and I don't even look at my notes and it's just, <laughs> I end up kicking myself for not looking at my notes. But I do want to get to just a couple more areas of submission. So submission and then the next one is the analogy is salvation, okay? Um, so, oops. Um, because look at what it says, Right? It says, husbands, be, uh, wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife. So we talked about the authority aspect. As Christ is also the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. Um, 
How does this apply to the husband's role? Remember, in a non, well, I don't know. I, I want to be careful with my speech. But in a, na- in a non-salvific way, how does this apply? Let's be sure. Your husband is not going to provide you with salvation. <laughs> right? Christ does that. But how does this, how, how does the, what is the implication that as we go from Christ our Savior to the husband, what does that have to, Christ is the Savior of the church, what does that have to do with the husband? Right? Jesse. Very good. That's right. That's what I'm saying is that we can draw out these, these, these Christ-like principles that, that we can, almost like we can say these are communicable principles, right, um, in marriage. That's right. So he has to lay, sacrificially love, right, his wife. Just like Christ the Savior laid down his life for his sheep, husbands have to lay down their lives for their spouse, right, for their wives. Any other way that, okay, know how I'm using this lowercase s, any other way that the husband saves his wife? Sanctification. Sanctification? Explain. Additionally, helping her pursue it. Uh, later, as we read in Ephesians, it talks about washing with the word. Mm-hmm. So, not only holding your wife accountable, but uh, showing her examples of you following Christ right. and for her to do the exact same thing. Right. right. You know, at this point, like in Ephesians 5, I mean, the Apostle Paul is not trying to, he's not trying to um, to reflect a dysfunctional home. He's actually giving us the ideal, right? So this, uh, like what he's saying, you know, kind of assumes the home is running right, right? Of course, he deals with marital problems in a lot of different texts, right? I mean, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, I mean, there's all kinds of different passages where he deals with problems in the home. But here, he's just laying out the ideal. This is the way that it should work. And it's not, he doesn't die the death of a thousand qualifications. He just sets it out. This is the way it should be, right? And understand that there's issues and there's objections that we can have and questions that we can raise. But this is the way that it ought to work. That, yeah, the husband, she should submit to her husband knowing that like Christ, he is an authority. Like Christ, he has a saving role in her life. I would say the other one is like sanctification is that her husband should be, uh, 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 you know, uh, protecting the home theologically, doctrinally. You know what I mean? Um, For example, my wife was really good friends with a girl from church that converted to Eastern Orthodoxy, just like the Bible answer, man. But anyway... um, and at this time and in this little season of our lives, a lot of our friends were apostatizing into, into orthodoxy, and they were they were going from 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 they were going from a Calvary Chapel evangelical church to Eastern Orthodoxy, and then eventually to either deism or agnosticism or full blown atheism. It was awful, and so I told Trish, I said, "You cannot hang out with this girl anymore." Uh, I, I don't. She was really sharp, very smart. Um, and I just didn't want her to influence my wife. And she called me, irate. What are you saying? I can't talk to Trish anymore? Uh, no, ma'am, you can't. Uh, not until you repent and come back to the church. You know what I mean? We can have that discussion if you'd like. Oh, So we ended up debating Eastern Orthodoxy. Um, but I want to protect Trish from, you know, uh, uh, influences that are deceptive or theologically. I want to protect her from heresy. 
You know, I, I, I want to know what is my wife studying? What is she reading? Who's she listening to? You know, all of that. I need to be aware of that. Um, the last thing. Boy, we're out of time, but salvation and the church, right? Um, the church. So it also says, you know, be, he says, um, but as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Notice that, that the church is subject to Christ, and therefore, so also the wives ought to be to their own, own husbands in everything. Why? Because the church is subject to Christ in everything. That's why, right? Because the church knows that Christ is the Lord of the church, right? And therefore, the analogy is that just like the church in every aspect of its life never seeks to come out of the authority of Christ, out from under his authority, in the same way, wives should never seek to come out from under the authority of their husbands. It's not something that you want to be uh, rebelling against and getting away from. It's something that you want to embrace knowing that it's good for you, right? Any questions, statements, anything else on that part? Any other observations just in terms of the church? Yes, ma'am. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's a sanctifying effect. That's a good good effect. We're not always as smart as we think we are. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, I mean, there's so many different reasons why, you know, I mean, this analogy that Paul picked is perfect, you know, because it's right. It's good. And that's the way it should be. Um, let's see here. Man, there's so many things uh, to get to. But. Lord willing, next week, guys, I'm taking you to the woodshed next week, so <laughs> you better show up. If I, you don't come to Sunday school next week, I know why. We're on the husbands. We need it. Lord knows we need it. Like